0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast. I'm Jody Heiss and honored to have you joining us today. We appreciate it very much and really looking forward to the program today. I'm joined today by Bernie Carrick. I think most of you are familiar with him. Uh, You've probably seen him on Fox News and a host of other networks recently. Bernie Carrick is a uh, a former police officer. He's an Army veteran consultant, and and uh, formerly the commissioner of the New York Police Department. Uh, he has been extremely vocal and visible when it comes to talking about the riots and all these type of things that have been taking place all across our country. So Bernie, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. We deeply appreciate uh, you taking time to be with us today.
1: Thank you. Well,
0: listen, we have talked a lot about this particular topic. Uh, But today, I want us to dive in from your perspective as a law enforcement officer. Uh, But before we actually jump into some questions, let me just give a little bit of statistics as to what we have seen in America over the last six months. We have had over 45 law enforcement officers who have been killed in the line of duty in 2020. That is up more than 50% from this same time last year. uh, Eight of those have been characterized as premeditated murder. Uh, Two of those were absolutely unprovoked attacks. We have had eight who were fatally shot at uh, point blank range. Uh, In addition to that, we've had over a billion dollars of damages to private businesses and public property during this time. Uh, Murder is up over nearly 22 percent in 36 American cities. Nine out of 10 large cities in the U.S. uh, have had more murders this year compared to last. I mean, it's just absolute insanity what is going on. So with that backdrop, uh, Mr. Carrick, let me let me just ask you just uh, from a general perspective, as a former police officer, as a member of the law enforcement community what what what's it like just to suit up every day, uh, leave your family, and go out as a police officer? I think it's important for people to to just have a general perspective of life as a law enforcement officer. What's it like suiting up and going to work every day?
1: Well, listen, you try not to think of the the negative outcomes that could come out of a, a bad day um, you know in the New York City Police Department. You know, I oversaw the police department during uh, during and in the aftermath of 9-11. I had 23 cops that went to work that morning um, that anticipated going home that evening, and they did not. Um, over my 20 years in the NYPD, I have probably attended 50 uh, line-of-duty death funerals. Hmm. Um, And I can tell you not one of those cops anticipated uh, getting dressed for work, leaving his house or her house and not coming back. That's always a possibility. But for the most part, men and women, every single day, go out and do a job that a lot of people just wouldn't have the courage to do. Um, And they do it um, not caring, uh, you know, who the recipients are. Of their service in other words when that 911 call comes in and there are shots fired or there's a robbery in progress or whatever the case may be they don't ask uh, you know what's the religion of the victim you know what color are they Um, should i go or should i not go they just go Um, they go with blinders on and they put themselves in harm's way every single day and uh, they never complain And um, you know it's it's unfortunate, especially these days where you have a real lack of appreciation for what they're doing out there, Um, and I think that comes from political leadership that don't have the courage; they just don't have the courage to stand up to these radical left wing lunatics who are perpetrating, you know, false narratives about the police and villainizing the police and victimizing thugs so it's uh it's it's a really strange weird time for somebody like me that's been doing this for 30 35 years well let's let's go go there
0: Uh, yeah let's let's go down that path a little bit further i and i appreciate what you just shared i think it's extremely important for people to hear from law enforcement uh, personnel, what it's like to be in their shoes. And I think what you just described is is an amazing picture of just every day going to work and never knowing what you're going to face, but helping people regardless of who they are. But as you just mentioned, these are different kind of days that we're facing. I've uh, Murders of law enforcement up 50 percent uh, over this time last year. We still have three months to go. How do you reconcile this? I mean, you just referred to these uh, uh, lunatic times that we're watching. Uh, have you ever seen anything like this in your years in law enforcement? Are these truly unprecedented times or has this type of thing happened before?
1: No, actually, it has happened before. It happened back in the 60s, 70s, and early 80s. And at that time, you had uh organizations called the black liberation army black panther party the weather underground the united freedom front these were revolutionary groups and domestic terror groups in the united states that was responsible for dozens of police homicides murders executions assassinations um dozens hundreds of robberies and and extremely violent crimes um and and that's how they funded their operations, but what's strange, and I think what a lot of your listeners would not, um, they just, they they wouldn't put the two and two together, that's exactly what's going on today, and it's even closer than people would imagine because the funders and the, uh, the founders, I should say, of Black Lives Matter, the three women that created Black Lives Matter, they were basically inspired Um, by a woman named Joanne Chesimard, who was the queen of the Black Liberation Army and a convicted cop killer. Um, They are, those three founders of Black Lives Matter, are admitted, trained Marxists. They believe in a revolution of the government of the United States. Um, Their primary fundraiser for Black Lives Matter is a woman named Susan Rosenberg, who was convicted in 1984 or 85 of possessing some 700 pounds of explosives, was sentenced to 58 years in prison. And President Clinton pardoned her, commuted her sentence after 16 years in his last day in office and let her out. And she, uh, she's another one, not only possession of the uh, explosives that she had, but she was also involved in the brinks Nyack robbery in which two uh, cops were killed and a Brinks guard was killed in 19, uh, 1980, 1981. So these are the people that have inspired Black Lives Matter. These are the people working with Black Lives Matter. So anybody that believes that the organization Black Lives Matter is really concerned with black lives, they're either naive or they're just stupid. Uh, because if they really cared about Black Lives Matter, they'd be marching in Chicago or Baltimore, where there's systemic slaughter of black men and women on a daily basis. Wow uh, but they don't they're not interested in that. they're interested in a revolution of uh, of this country
0: wow that is a that is a perspective that I agree really has to be dealt with uh that th- this is a Marxist uh, organization. Uh, and Antifa. I mean, all of it. We're not talking about an idea, as came up the other day in the debate. We are talking about organized groups of people who are out to overrun our country. And what what amazes me is, and I don't know if you saw the, the House Freedom Caucus. We, we've been really leading the charge in Congress to try to stand up for law enforcement. In fact, we all went down on the floor about a month ago to give speeches condemning these attacks against our police but what we did not see what we still are not seeing are democrats including speaker pelosi backing the blue and telling those who are rioting that uh, we're not going to stand by while they they rip up our communities and and attack our police so uh, from your perspective and you certainly see things differently from inside the battleground of Congress like we do, but do you see overall, are Democrats standing with the police?
1: Oh, they're not. They're not standing with the police because they feel that that's against, you know, there's two, there's two things going on here. Nancy Pelosi's not gonna come out and support the police, or she's not gonna come out and protest uh, or, or complain about Black Lives Matter or Antifa. Because she basically, in all honesty, she's not running the Democratic Party anymore. You have people like AOC and these young socialists. They're the ones pushing the agenda. They're the ones jazzing up Antifa. They're the ones that siding with Black Lives Matter. And that movement is basically taking over the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is not what it was 10, 15 years ago. I remember Ed Koch, the former mayor of New York, who was the the king Democrat in my eyes, uh, you know, for the last you know 50, 60 years. Um, I remember before he died, he said the Democratic Party is not the party I once joined. Well, that was when he said that to me. That was in 2000, 2001, and and now it's shifted so far to the left that it's completely off the rails it's become a radical marxist uh revolutionary uh you know group if you will uh by a lot of people that uh you yeah, you couldn't imagine that you would have marxists that you would have socialists and communists in in, in congress
0: yeah it's unbelievable the totally and i think one of the things that backs up exactly what you're saying Is the fact that they're now—I mean—one of their big rallying cries is to defund the police. I mean, uh, we sit back and scratch our head and say, "Are you kidding me?" I mean, is that really a solution? Do you want to uh, have to have a society where we don't have police officers? I mean, where does that kind of thing lead us? Where does that? What does that do to the uh, police community, law enforcement community, to hear these type of? a campaign slogans and outcries, and we're actually seeing some cities move in that direction.
1: Well, listen, it's one thing to listen to it and hear it, and, you know, it's annoying and it's bothersome and it's, it's you know, stupid uh, from a police perspective because the cops know better. But the bottom line is it's another thing when it's real, when they start really defunding, when they start really attacking the police budget. And I, I think the problem is the general public doesn't get, to, they don't understand, um, you know, they hear this, they watch it on TV. It's a thing that doesn't concern them in their daily living in their house. So they're not focused on it as much. But the reality is when you diminish the police budget, you cut back on their training, you cut back on their response time, you come back cut back on their resources, um, you cut back on Overall manpower status. Um, well, guess what? That what, whatever you may think, here's the bottom line. In in a, in a nutshell, um, your violent crime is going to go up, and your community is going to be less safe. That's mm-hmm. it. That, that's it. If you have to sum it up in a sentence or two, there's your there's the response to. Decreasing the funding for the police,
0: and that's exactly what we're watching happen. Uh, the the crime is going up, and and communities and cities are less safe. Uh, there's no question. Now, l- let me just ask you that within this context, are are there um, any reforms that you see that need uh, to take place in police departments? I mean, uh, there's no question we have seen some bad bad actors, and granted, there are few. But nonetheless, they have been highlighted uh, are there are there some things that um, need to be done in terms of reform or education for our law enforcement community
1: well listen there's not much more you can do, and I'll say that with in in and uh, I'll in a, in a clarify in a way Keep in mind over the last twenty thirty years right we have gone from a society that you know, was had a very aggressive policing model. Um, cops were heavy-handed at times uh, many years ago. We wanted to make sure that the cops were responsive uh, to crime, but not uh, heavily handed, um, didn't engage in physical use of force that was unnecessary, and did not engage in lethal force that was unnecessary. So over the last 20 or 30 years, what do we do? We give them an enormous amount of training, right? De-escalation training, verbal judo training. We give them all kind of non-lethal weapons, right? We give them ASP batons. We give them PR-24 batons. We give them a taser. We give them pepper ball. We give them mace. We give them everything under the sun so they don't have to go to their gun, right? It's not... You're not going to escalate a situation where you're in a fistfight and then you shoot and kill the guy because you can't put handcuffs on him. Well, now the left wants to take all those things away. You'll notice over the last, I don't know, last three months, four months, there's been lawsuits and there's been orders by city council members like in Portland and Seattle where the city council has voted to take away all the non-lethal weapons. Well, I I don't know, you know, who comes up with this stuff and how they they come up with it and why they do it. But the reality is, if you take away all the non-lethal weapons and a cop goes out to make an arrest and he's trying to make that arrest and he's in a physical confrontation and he can't make that arrest and the guy's overpowering him, well, then he has no non-lethal weapons other than his gun, which is a lethal weapon, and he has to use that. So the left is basically diminishing everything, every piece of progress that we've made over the last 20 or 30 years in de-escalation. They're taking it away. And on top of that, their lunacy is emboldening the thugs. So you have people and communities out there, you have these extremely violent criminals who now believe that it's okay to attack a cop. It's okay to, you know, commit arson. It's okay to fight back, to resist arrest, to run over a police officer. That's what they believe. And they believe that because the city council and the mayor is telling them. it. Wow.
0: Well, Bernie, listen, I want to thank you. I know our time is running out. Uh, The the info that you have uh, brought to the discussion and to the table today is invaluable and the perspective from your expertise uh, in law enforcement. First of all, thank you for the incredible service that you have done and continue to do for our country. Uh, We all owe you and the entire law enforcement community an enormous debt of gratitude. And so, sir, thank you so much for your service. And secondly, thank you for joining us today on the Freedom Caucus podcast. Uh, We are
1: deeply grateful. Thank you.
0: Well, friends, listen, I uh, I can't believe it, but our time has expired. I want to thank you so much for joining us for another edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast. We always encourage you to subscribe on SoundCloud or whatever other uh, avenue you use to get your podcast. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, YouTube and so forth. As always, this is your host, Jody Heiss. Thank you for joining us today. Hope you have a fantastic remainder of your day. And we'll see you next time right here on the Freedom Caucus podcast.